Jim Shoemaker, David Rochester, and Steve Anderson are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to the program. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. The common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money. Well, today we have a packed program. We are going to be talking with Steve Anderson. He's going to go through some ideas about investment blind spots. We all have them. And the reality is we sometimes ignore them and it can kill your portfolio. So he's going to give us some explanation of how to work around blind spots, how to figure it out, and make sure that we stay on target with what we are as stewards of what we've been entrusted with in managing money. Also, David Rochester's here. Some strategies to really maximize your 401k. You know, for a lot of us, um, it's the way we are saving for retirement. It has become that habitual way. And the reality is sometimes we are starting the program and putting it in a box and forgetting about it. He's going to give us some great strategies to maximize it. But in the second half of the program, you don't want to miss this guy. I have Pastor Ricky Floyd with the Pursuit of God Church. He is going to talk about the Husband Institute and the impact that they're having in the city of Fraser. Stay with us. We've got a great program. Let me introduce Steve Anderson. Steve Anderson, you have been a frequent guest of ours. Welcome to the program, sir. Thanks, Jim. It's good to be here. Well, you know, one of the things, when we talk about blind spots, blind spots, I mean, it, you know, nobody has a, I don't have a blind spot. I, I know I don't. No, I, never. No, I've never, never, you know. And the reality is we all have blind spots. That's right. And so let me talk about this. When we say blind spots, the idea behind when I think of investing, would you kind of give me some ideas of what you're talking about when you say an investment blind spot? Absolutely. Sometimes sometimes it's easier to use a different word. We could use the word bias. So it's something that we all kind of carry with us. We all have a lens through which we see things. And when we're talking about blind spots, a lot of times what we're talking about are behavioral biases, things that we just kind of carry around, a lens through which we see the world that just kind of makes us not necessarily see reality all the time. And that's really what we're dealing with here. Um, and there's there's a couple different kinds. The CFA Institute differentiates between a cognitive bias, which is like a, an error in judgment type thing, a mental mistake, and then emotional bias, which you could probably almost intuitive, uh, intuitively figure out that emotional biases are the more difficult ones to overcome. So a couple different kinds. I, that's a, that brings me to a point when we say emotional biases. I mean, the reality is we know this, and in your practice and in mine, we work with a lot of people that just get caught up with what the media is dictating, mm-hmm. what, we, what their next-door neighbor is telling them. They're, um, and so th- is that the blind spot where you just, you're listening to all the noise, or is it something? You said it was something we just carry around. It's like a lens that we look through all the, do we do this all the time? Or does the media affect us with that? Well, we we are certainly open to influence from the media. Um, And and obviously fear sells. I mean, that's what we hear on the news. And so a lot of times um, the the 
you throw on top of that money. Money well, is that's emotional. Good point. Yeah, I that's, mean, that's, money that's, is that's, emotional. It yeah. just it just is. I say that every time I introduce the program. It's one of the biggest problems in a lot of families, that's, the fact that we have to manage money. So talk about behavioral biases or these yeah. blind spots. Give me the first one. So kind of the, the mother of all biases is this is, is one called loss aversion. And it's really it's really the big one. Most things kind of fall into this in some way, shape, or form. But loss aversion is this idea that in general, losses hurt more than gains help. So in other words, like if we sat down and we did like a coin toss exercise and I said, heads, you win $100, tails, you lose $100. Most people, and it's your $100 on oh, no, the line, no, right? I was yeah. do it with your $100. <laughs> Most people are like, ah, I'm not going to take that. And, and it's interesting when you, when you look at studies that have tested this, usually you got to get up to $200. You win 200 on a heads for a $100 loss potential, usually you have to have twice as much gain on the line before somebody would step into the bet on average. And that is loss aversion. Wow. That's so simply, I've got to be rewarded so much more yeah. because I, I, the fear or, the, or this bias, you're saying, of the loss is so great that I don't take the risk. That's right. That's right. And that can be devastating to anybody's portfolio. If you're not willing to understand the risk, work through the risk, that can. So loss aversion, as you said, can kind of be the skeleton or the backbone and you hang everything else around that. That's right. That's right. I get that. That's a big issue. So blind spots. If you just tune in, my guest is Steve Anderson, certified financial planner. He is working to guide us through some ideas of blind spots, investing blind spots or the the idea behind and the first one he talked about loss aversion i really do get that that's i think that's a real problem for a lot of people but what about this idea that the one that people says the market's too high is that a is that also a blind spot or a behavioral i mean that you hear that you know what i'm saying right you hear a lot of people oh you can't invest now the market's too high yeah, a lot of times the, the, that uh, that particular line that we hear, the market's just too expensive. I too can't expensive. Do, I can't get good. in right now, right? That it comes out of a, a blind spot called anchoring, and the, and the easiest way to understand anchoring is if you're selling a house anywhere, probably pretty much anywhere in the country at the moment, but definitely here in Memphis. Memphis if you sell sure. a house, yes. it's on the market for about seven minutes, right? <laughs> and 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 so you you don't li- if you think your house is worth four hundred, you don't list it for four hundred. You list it for four forty, right? And 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 so that when somebody comes in and make an offer, it's still above what you think it's worth. And that that's anchoring. That's putting something out there that you instantly anchor to, and it becomes a fixed point. And so now we're going, oh, the market's higher than it's ever been. It's too high, but compared to if you look ten years ago, it's higher than it was ten years ago. And twenty years from now, in all it's, likelihood, it's going to be gonna higher. Be higher so, if you anchor to today, it's going to cause you not to take the right action. So, anchoring, you know, it's 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 a cognitive one. It's a mental thing that just hangs us up. You know that. Uh, do you see this in your practice where people, when you talk about it, hangs you up? I know you have to hold their hand, guide them through these biases. Now, can you identify where these biases are coming from with them? Or, or do you, this, is it just the fact that it's just part of our nature? Yeah. You know, these, these, most of these biases end up having a real positive root. You know, thinking is hard. It's, it's hard work. It's, it's hard harder work. for some of us, for sure. <laughs> That's why I go home in the afternoon and, my, you know, my, in the evening, my four-year-old's raring to go. No. And, and I'm, I'm just exhausted. Justin, I've been yeah. thinking all day, yeah. right? And so these behavioral biases, what the, they're mental shortcuts. It's our mind trying to come up with a way to make a decision quickly. We see A, 
We want to do B. We, we, we kind of have this, this shortcut reaction. And so there's a positive nature to them, but they can fail us too. And when you talk about it being a blind spot, it's literally we don't even realize that that's we're right. doing it. And that's, that's right. the problem when it comes to long-term investing. So, again, I, I so much appreciate you, you guiding us through this. The first one, you, you literally talked about loss aversion. I get that. I think that is to a lot of people the number one, as you said, kind of the, the backbone behind everything, anchoring, the market's too high, you hear that. And so, therefore, what's the, you know, there's this whole terminology that a lot of people have said, buy low, sell high. Well, that means I can't do anything until the market crashes completely and then buy. What that, about that? That's exactly, that's my favorite one to pick on. Because in theory, you want to buy something cheap and sell it more expensive. And that's, that's right. That's, that's right. The problem is, again, compared to what? So th- this a lot of times could fall under, you know, you kind of have to figure out which bias might tie in. But this might be one called narrow framing, where you use either a narrow set of information or a very narrow decision-making framework to think about something. So, again, compared to what? what's low, right? Buy low. Well, if, if buy low is the thing you're really aiming for, right now in a market that is near all-time highs, most things aren't low, and I'm air quoting, you know, on the air, (laughs) I'm air quoting, but again, low compared to what, 20 years from now, 10 years from now. Um, And so buying low, selling high is one of those mental shortcuts that makes sense. And as a generality is probably a good piece of advice. The problem is it it negates the time frame because if you're a long-term investor, which I think that's almost a, a silly investing yeah, is a long yeah, when you term say the word thing. if all of us should be that's long-term. right so 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 that is a it's a framework that can that's generally good but it's a little bit of a shortcut that sometimes can fail you well well we got to be back in just with Steve in just a moment because see, I want to dive in Steve about you mentioned it earlier cognitive and emotional because I think a lot of people need to understand that so when we come back we're going to be talking with Steve Anderson we're talking about blind spots also coming up Don't want to miss it. David Rochester, strategies, very specific things that you need to do to maximize your 401k. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Just a quick reminder, coming up in the second half of the program, Pastor Ricky Floyd from the Pursuit of God Church. We're going to talk about the Husband Institute and what they're doing about gun education. You don't want to miss that part of the program. Steve, we were talking about earlier this whole idea behind blind spots. And I, and I get it. Blind spots are, are definitely an issue. But when you talked about cognitive and emotional, define that for me one more time and, and then kind of help us understand what do we do about all this? Yeah, so, so the cognitive biases are really more, uh, again, mental errors. They're judgment errors. They're the shortcuts we're taking. The emotional ones. That mind saying that we can do it this way. And we that's just right. go out and do it and don't think it through. Okay, that's I right. Got it. I that's got right. It. Okay. That's right. That's from the mind wanting to be lazy. Want to be lazy. Right. Hey, mind's doing that. You know, <laughs> hey, it's hard for mine to work out like it's supposed to. That's right. That's right. And then the emotional ones are really more, I think of them like triggers. When this happens, you get triggered. And so, um, you know, when we think about what to do about them, 
sometimes identifying which one you're dealing with is important. With the cognitive errors, a lot of times just having someone there to help you identify, here's the error you're making, and you'll think, oh, yeah, 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 I got, I've got it. As soon as you draw attention to it, a lot of times it can help you resolve it. But the emotional ones, sometimes you have to do things, you have to construct the, your, your portfolio or your investment schematic or the way you save to kind of mitigate that emotion because it's just not going to go away. Some people just fall prey to that more than others. And so um, the, the big thing, but the, regardless of which one you, we're talking about, the biggest thing to keep in mind with investing that I think most people fail to remember is you got to have the goal in mind. For most people, the goal is not beating the market or whatever. It's, I want to save for retirement. I want to retire when I'm 67 and six months. That's when I want to retire. Or I want to send my kids to college in six years and 15 days. That's when, that's when they're, you know, that's, those are the goals that matter. So if you take your investments and you tie them to a goal really strongly like that, that's one real concrete way to mitigate some of these biases. Wow, that's such great advice, Steve. So, so important. So clearly having an understanding of what your why is. Why am I doing this? It's an education fund for my kids. It's retirement. I want to retire comfortably. It's not just a flippant investment program that you've put together. You really are very serious about it, and you're looking and knowing there's blind spots and identifying and moving on. That's right. That's right. And another another really important one, um, and this would be one I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain David will, will touch on, is just the idea of diversification. Obviously, we all think we're smarter than we probably are, right? And so an emotional... No, I <laughs> never have that problem. <laughs> never have that problem. <laughs> a, a bias that we all carry is this tendency to think that, and so we think we can see the future, right? Well, my wife says I have that problem seriously. <laughs> I mean, I'm handicapped with that problem. <laughs> I That's get it. right. You're exactly right. So long-term, know your why, diversify. That's right. That's I appreciate right. it, Steve. Very good. Excellent program. David Rochester, welcome to the program, sir. Good morning, Jim. Well, let me ask you this. Now, we've just covered blind spots. We We've just covered this whole problem that can destroy a long-term investment. Give me some strategies to put it back together because my 401k, in most cases, is a person's longest strategy. When That's it comes exactly to- right. And, and Steve, love your point. Know your why. That is that is simple but very complicated. First of all, why, you know, in order to get to our goal, we've got to have some habits. And I think the first one is develop a strong savings habit. We're going to talk about 401k, but just develop a strong savings habit. Make saving a priority. And then start as early as you can. You know, we've, we've heard the statistics, most of us, that you ought to save about 15% of what you earn into something for your retirement. Uh, if you start early, that's easier. If you start later, 15% may not be enough. Well, 15% so. competes with that 65-inch color television set. And, you know. Flat screen. We you were, know I was going to say that. That's right. <laughs> we were just talking about electric trucks. It's going to yeah, compete with that and a lot of other things. Whatever thing. So, you know, a long time ago, Jim, in your day, we used to talk well, about. Well, listen to him. <laughs> baby what needs a, a new pair of blue, uh, new pair of shoes. So, you know, people don't think about shoes anymore. So, anyway. <laughs> you know, uh, but program's but, in trouble today. <laughs> but start as early as possible. And then, you know, here's the other thing. Put in as much as you can. Now you say, well, as much as I can, what does that even mean? So we'll talk about some limits of what you can put in the 401k, but most people underutilize what they can put in. What What are the limits then when you talk so, about Okay, so the first limit is what you can put in your 401k is not a percentage of your income. People get confused a match, which is based on a percentage, 
and a dollar amount, which is based on your limits. Your limit of what you can put into a 401k is $19,500 for 2021. If you're age 50 and up, there's something called a catch-up provision, and now that person or people can put in 26000 Those are your limits as to what you can put in. That excludes the match. That excludes any profit sharing. That is what you as an employee can contribute. Okay, so that's critical that we, number one, start a savings, but start start, start early. Discipline. Start strong, okay? And develop the, the discipline to put money in. And now, you mentioned the match. Right. Is did that is that a strategic plan when you're looking at, if you've got a match, your employer's ask, you know, giving you a match, make sure you're maximizing the match? Well, let me ask you, Jim. Okay, if somebody says, I'm going to give you some free money. Wait a minute, I get to get this. I, I, answer, I ask all the questions on this program. So the answer Sorry. is, if you ask me, do you want some free money? Yes, I okay. want free money. Want that free is money. a match. Now, okay. free, I, I don't want to miscontext that, but at the end of the day, that means when you as an employee put money into the 401k plan, then your employer will match part of that contribution. It could be a dollar-for-dollar match, a percentage of a dollar match. Typically, what we see is, uh, a match up to 6% of your income. So if you put in 6%, your employer is going to match some or all of those dollars. But that's not your limit. We talked about the limits a minute ago. The limit is what the IRS says is prior to 50, 19,500, post 50, 26,000. You know, just David, as I'm listening to you talk, I've obviously got to make some behavioral comment. You know, we'll have, I'm sure you've had this. If clients will say, well, I can't save 8% of my income into my 401k. And I don't know if you've done this, but I, I've certainly had the experience where I'll say, well, could you save a half a percent more? That's could a great we log point. in and save a half a percent more? That's and a great point. That's not a, I mean, everybody can do a half a percent more, right? So if, if that's what it takes to nudge yourself along a half a percent now, half a percent later, yeah, just bump a it up raise, a little bit each year. There I mean, you when go. you get pay raises, that's a great point, Steve. When you get pay raises, automatically increase what you put in. Now, it may be automatically done for you, but most of the time we have to take the action to increase that contribution. Guys, when you say this, you say it almost as if it just happens and people just get up every morning and the, we do this and, and, you know, they just get up and say, hey, I'm going to put more money into my 401k. They got bills to pay. They're, they're trying to get paycheck to get as far as they can. You know, help me understand or help them understand, our listeners, when you say discipline to increase your savings, that sounds good. But there's competition for that. David, what would you share with them if you just could say, if you had to pick one of these three things, you said the match or maximize, increasing, what would you say to help them know what they're doing? And you just got a segmented here. So what would you tell them from a planning? You know, you're a certified financial planner. What would you tell them? I would say keep, it's like Steve said, what's the goal? The goal is not how much you're putting in. The goal is your retirement. And I love the part he mentioned is kind of the accountability. You know, have an accountability partner with it, somebody like us. Great idea. So I think that's critical to really trying to achieve your goal. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Automation is another one that comes to mind. Um, I, I think yours is better, David. But if if I put something under that um, on top of having the goal, just automate it. Whatever you're doing, just automate it. Because the more you have to think about it, the more exhausting it is. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I can see that if I have to think about it, it, you know, it does need to be automated. It does need to be consistent. Just do it, get started with it. But, you know, the reality is if I'm thinking about it, that's maybe where my aversions come in. My, the whole idea behind the blind spots and, and kick in very hard, very difficult to do. 
Well, guys, when we come back, now, listen, I think a lot of listeners need to understand, we're talking about blind spots. Steve, you've done a great job with that. But the reality is, David, you've given us some strategies. You've talked about saving, saving money. Use your match. Get to the maximum if you can, 19500 for 2021. If you're over 55, I mean over 50, it's 26000 We can do that. The bottom line is, overall, is make this a part of a strategy for long-term investing. And then... I guess it's about being disciplined and making it automated. I liked all of that. Execute. Execute. Execute the, you know, the, the objective. Well, that I think is important. Now, when we come back, I, I think it's important that we – I want to cover a few more strategies. And one is the idea behind what's happened with the required minimum distribution. Okay. The new law has been, a, in effect, pandemic kind of created that. So what is the required minimum distribution? That's important. All right? you just tuned in, my guests, David Rochester and Steve Anderson, coming up in the second half of the program, a very dear friend, Pastor Ricky Floyd, Pursuit of God Church. We're going to talk about the Husband Institute and gun education. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. And welcome back. This is Jim Shoemaker. We're listening for, of course, you're listening, of course, to Talk Money. My guest, David Rochester, we're talking about strategies that really will maximize your 401k. Let me make sure you know this, that we as financial advisors do not provide you specific tax or legal advice, and you should not consider what we're talking about as tax or legal advice. Always consult your tax or legal advisor before you're using any type of information that we're giving. This is about your own specific tax and legal situation. Just want to cover that, keep the compliance people uh, from calling me at midnight, bottom line. That's the whole deal. <laughs> I guess I just, you know how that goes, but it's good. Now, David, when we talk about, you covered some very specific, you said increase your savings, understanding how you maximize your 401k, the 19000 500 if you're under 50, age over 50, you go to 26,000. And then I I covered the idea, I introduced the idea behind the fact that with the idea behind the pandemic and some new laws, we now have a required minimum distribution that's been extended. Explain that to us. Sure. Well, requirement is required minimum distribution. Hard to say. All right. We got, hang on a second. All right. There we go. Good. Try it now. Yep. We're having a little mic problem here. Thank you. Uh, Required minimum distributions are not new. They've been around for a while. But prior to the SECURE Act 2019, you're required to start taking distributions at 70 and a half. Now, what does that mean? If you have a 401k that you funded with pre-tax dollars or a traditional IRA, then at 70 and a half, you had to start taking a required minimum distribution. And that's more or less based on uh, your age. Okay, so the number, the percentage changes each year. After SECURE Act, you can now wait until you're 72 to take required minimum distributions. So there's a delay to, to having to take those distributions. Do you recommend everybody take that to move that delay and just move it out? Everybody. It's, it's always case-specific, Jim. It depends on whether you need the cash flow or not. But okay. if you can delay, I think it's a smart move to delay. Okay. Now, also keep in mind, if you don't take the required minimum distribution, there's a very stiff penalty, 50% of the correct amount you were supposed to take out. So let's say you were you the the calculation assumed you were going to take five thousand dollars as required and you didn't take it out. There's a twenty five hundred dollar penalty by not taking that money out, and you still have to take it out. Wow. Okay. That's so important. and you want to pay attention to that. That's every year. 
don't don't skip a year. Don't think you can delay. You need to take that so out. So manage day. your RMD. That's not something Absolutely. just to use. And that can be set up sometimes automatically for you, but you need to make sure you're doing that because it is severe if you don't do that. That is correct. So All keep right. in mind penalties. Take your requirement on distribution. You're covering some strategies that are so important. That's savings rate. That's getting the maximum you can. Get the maximum, the match you can. Uh they, they, you know, be sure you're maximizing your required minimum distribution. You talked earlier about diversifying your assets. Anything you want to add to that? No, I think that's real important, not to get too centralized into one type of investment, whether it's a stock, an individual stock, or just a stock type of fund. Diversify. Make sure that your portfolio uh, allocation, we'll use the term asset allocation, matches your risk for tolerance. In an up market Everybody thinks that they're, you know, I want to own all stocks or stock type investments, but we don't know when the next market correction is going to happen. And so go through some type of analysis of what is a good fit in all areas. You know, I used to call that my sleep factor. That's right. My sleep factor. If I don't wake up at four o'clock in the morning worried about my investments, it must be doing okay. Right. And I think that's, I think that's a good way of looking at it. For me, it was, and I understand that, especially when I'm thinking about the big picture, you know, uh, again, the, the idea behind diversification, allocation, knowing your why, you mentioned that earlier, that's so, so critical. What about the idea behind this idea where a lot of people do this, they cash out too early? You know, Jim, most people are going to change jobs multiple times during their lifespan. And it's easy a lot of times to forget you had a balance in your employer retirement plan at the prior employer. And I say forget, it's it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. But what you don't want to do is five years later, remember, oh, I had that money over there. Or decide to cash it out. You know what? That was money I left over there. I'm just going to cash it out. The new uh, you know, electronic vehicles out there, I want to buy one. I've got a TV I want to buy, whatever that may be. And so you could effectively set yourself behind by cashing that money out. You would be much better to either leave it in the plan, roll it over to something like an IRA, or transfer it to your new employer plan if that plan allows so don't stop too early. Don't stop too early. Also keep in mind that if you cash out, you've got to pay taxes on that money if it was mm. pre-tax contributions. So does it make sense to pay that now? It's it's better, we believe, most of the time. Of course, people need to know, and I'm sure they didn't know most employers tell them this. They've got hardship. If you've got a hardship, you need a loan. You can get a loan. You're paying yourself back. You can do that. Just cashing out really destroys a person's long-term plan of retirement. That's right. You've got your momentum started. We said... You know, at the very beginning of the show, start early, save a lot, continue to save. And I think that also implies this, don't cash out. We talk about the three-legged stool on, on retirement, and, I mean, I've mentioned it before on the air, and I want to make sure everybody gets this. Number one, you've got a social program, Social Security. That's part of the three-legged stool. Number two is your 401K or a qualified retirement. Maybe you've got a pension plan or whatever. That's the second part. And, then, of course, the third is your own personal investments that are not part of a qualified plan. All p- three parts makes that stool stand, and right. they need to be very carefully managed managed. And Steve was talking about, don't let the blind spots destroy your long-term plan. That's a great point. And one other thing I would mention is sometimes people say, well, I I need that money. You ought to be saving outside of your employer-sponsored plan as well. Yeah. Just regular investments, regular savings plans, keeping money in the bank. We call it emergency reserves. Man, you're talking about being disciplined. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, my goodness. I used the term earlier, have an accountability partner. It may be your spouse, okay? Be transparent. Tell people what's going on that you can trust, obviously, but but have accountability partners. That's a great point. Make sure you're just paying attention. 
We've got a PDF that we provided, want to provide for you. It's called Take Charge of Your 401k. And I think, David, putting this together, for it's, it's information that's going to help you look at thousands of ways to put things together, not thousands, hundreds. How about that? Uh, we'll it's go old, with hundreds. It's got some good points in <laughs> it's there. It's got some great points. And if you'd like a copy of this, just simply go to our Shoemaker Financial Facebook page, search for the document in our post, and there you'll be able to view it. If you'd like the document, it's free. Download it to a PDF and print it. It's called Take Charge of Your 401k. Thanks, David, so much for giving us these strategies to maximize your 401k. Thank you, Jim. Well, coming up, I mean, not coming up, but we're going to talk to him right now. He's here in the studio. He is the pastor of the Pursuit of God Church and the founder of the Husband Institute. He's been a guest of ours before. He's a dear friend, Pastor Ricky Floyd. Welcome to the program. Humbled and grateful to be here. Either I didn't do too bad the first time or you're giving me a makeup opportunity. <laughs> a makeup and I appreciate you that. did great, my friend. You <laughs> did great. You know what, Pastor? I want to talk to you about this because you have a heart for the Fraser community. I actually have had people to tell me that um, you have poured your life into yeah. this community. This is your identity, and the community uh, is where you get your energy. And, and this is a community that needs someone like yourself. Tell me just what is the Pursuit of God Church, the Pursuit of God, the Transformation Center, yeah. all of the things that you're doing, this the Husband Institute. Let's start with that. You know, one driving force, or if you will, the elevator speech, if you will, for our church is that we are restoring the righteous, relevant reputation to the local congregation. You're in a time when people don't have value for church. They question the integrity of church and a lot of things like that. We've decided to be a beacon of hope and a beacon of life and uh, a place that many had considered the wilderness And so we have literally uh, laid our life down. And notice I say we, me, my family, and we've got a couple other people to buy, a little more than a couple, but people to buy into the importance of of being a light in a place that most people will run away from. Frazier is tough soil, uh, but we are seeing uh, the harvest that we've invested begin to multiply in that area. You know, the in Second Philippians, oh, Second Philippians, in Philippians chapter two, that would be yeah. the second part of Philippians. Mm-hmm. It talks about a crooked and perverse world. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Paul is saying to the church at Philippi to be lights, and you just use the term lights, yeah. luminaries. Yes. He says, Pure and blameless luminaries in that diverse, crooked and diverse world. And that's a calling. And I sense that from you. That's really where God has placed you and is equipping you. Yeah, I didn't choose Frazier. Frazier chose me and God. I I wanted to go to Cordova. Uh, I understand but, that. But, the, but, but, but we know that we are in the perfect will of God in being Frazier. As a matter of fact, at one time we had three different campuses, and uh, God told me for the next two or three years, I want you to focus strictly on fake, on Frazier. We uh, shut down to two growing, prosperous uh, campuses and, and lost quite a few members from that. And for a while, it looked like I had missed God. Uh, but now I know that we are in the perfect will of God perfect. in that community. And we're seeing lives being transformed. We're seeing businesses begin to come to Frazier. As a matter of fact, Jim, right now we're in the midst of 72 days of 72-minute prayer at 5.55 a.m. Uh, in the Frazier community, you've got anywhere from 25 to 55 people that are there praying and praising uh, and inviting the presence of God to come into not just our lives pray uh, personally, but the Frazier community and this whole region. Amen. 
When we come back, I'm going to ask Pastor Ricky Floyd to talk about the Husband Institute. This is a vision he had years ago and the impact that it's having on some young men, some boys uh, at in the Fraser Church there. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk specifically about that. So stay with us if you just tuned in. My guest is Pastor Ricky Floyd of the Pursuit of God Church, and we're going to talk about the Husband Institute. You don't want to miss that. It's a having a tremendous impact in our city. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Pastor Ricky Floyd, the Pursuit of God Church, or the Husband Institute. The views and opinions expressed are those of Pastor Ricky Floyd only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services Incorporated or Shoemaker Financial. Welcome back. My guest is Dr. Rick, Pastor Ricky Floyd. I ought to call you doctor. You ought to be, you know, in my opinion. Uh, Pursuit of God, and it's the Pursuit of God Church, but it's also the Transformation Center. It's the Husband Institute. This is an individual that is doing an, a work. You know, you just might as well say it, a work. And we talked about Philippians chapter 2 in a crooked and perverse world. You know, Ricky, I'm going to talk about this. You had talked to me a couple of months ago. We were talking, and you described picking up a young man uh, for the for the Husband Institute. And you actually, he, he he's coming out the door, and you stand out of the car, and you say, hey, I'm the pastor, I'm the pastor. And the reason why you had to do wow. that is because who was on the porch? Uh, who was on the porch? Who was on the corner? Uh, they saw me driving down. This was my first time coming to a new house that they moved to uh, in the North Memphis area, and I was driving down slow trying to find the address. And in some neighborhoods, a strange person doesn't, di- doesn't drive, drive down slow. the street <laughs> to slow because uh, they don't know what to anticipate from you, either police, drive by. And so I had to make sure and roll my windows down, open palm, and say, hey, I'm Pastor Floyd coming to pick the boys up for the Husband Institute, and I got my pass for yeah. that. And, but the uh, pass was with guys that would uh, were really recruiting this young boy. W- well, I, they were part of his family. Yeah. Uh, that's the lifestyle that they live, you know. And, and even though uh, they may be uh, challenging him to be involved in some activity, I could see it from their face. Uh, they were happy the fact that I was coming into the community uh, to give their uh, brothers, uh, stepsons, uh, nephews an option uh, to the lifestyle that they had before them right there. That's great. That's great. Talk about the Husband Institute. That's your heart? That's my baby. That's your baby, and this is dealing with young boys. It's dealing with young boys. We, we've got boys between the age of 6 and 16. Uh, the Husband Institute was birthed out of one Sunday. I stood up before the pool, putting out of nowhere this question came out of me. Who's been trained to be a husband in here? And at that time, we probably had about 450 people at church, and not one hand went up. And so then I asked the question, who's been trained how to be a drug dealer? Who's been trained how to steal cars? Who's been trained how to do credit card scam? A lot of laughter went up. But a lot of hands went up, too, and it was not funny to me because I was looking at the fact that that time I had a daughter that was around 16 years old. I had ladies in the church who were working for Fortune 500 companies, driving foreign cars and living in a nice home, but they didn't have a potential date, uh, a husband, and in, in a candidate nowhere near. And I said, if it's this bad now, what's it going to be like 10 years from now? 
And so I came up with the mindset. The, you know, the scripture talks about how do you how do you tear a house down? It talks about how you got to first bind the strong man up. Mm-hmm. And I said sometimes. Uh, and and you know the Bible says Satan comes immediately to steal, kill, and destroy. If if Satan gets these boys addicted to drugs, addicted to sex, in uh, criminal activity, alcoholism, uh, molestation, if he can get them at an early age, he doesn't even have to wrestle with the strong man. And so what we did was we provided an environment where we can catch young men and begin to nurture them. Uh, to strengthen them, to encourage them, to to inject them with spiritual wisdom and insight. And sometimes, man, just a pure hug and a word of affirmation that many of these boys have been robbed of. You know, what I what I like about the Institute and having been there and watched these yeah. boys is that you are you're a disciplinarian. I mean, Absolutely. you're not a you're not a fluff. Yeah. And uh, they love it, though. Well, I was going to say seen it. they yeah. respect that yeah. because of where you stand and your the integrity of being the pastor, they know you love them. Number yes, one, yes. But you're demanding them from them a, a sense of this is how yeah. you act, and so you are teaching that basic principles sometimes that they never hear before unless yeah. they come to the husband institute. Yeah, and they understand that my rebuke is not to degrade but to upgrade. Upgrade. Them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do mothers deal with this? Do mothers? Man, <laughs> I, man. I gotta think mothers love you. <laughs> the <laughs> mothers love it. It's amazing to me though, even in the community that we in, how many mothers are scared to drop their son off their first day. Uh, It's like, uh, is my baby going to be okay? Is he going to be accepted by the rest of the groups? And so, you know, initially I have to tell the mothers, hey, we know what we're doing. Get on out of (laughs) here. We got them. Mm. And uh, and after a two or three weeks period of time, they are extremely excited because the children who many have not been passionate about anything are our mama, I don't want to be late because, you know, if they're late, they got to do the push-ups. Push-ups, yes. That's employment training. Uh, you, you can't come to no job no. late. And so we, we, don't have, we don't have any excuses. Well, my mother, no, no, we don't buy excuses mm. because excuses don't buy houses right. and don't feed families. Right. And so we're training those boys at an early age to not be excuse makers because he that's good at making excuses will be good at little else the rest uh, of his life. Well, well said. <laughs> what are these um, – the demographic of these boys, where are they coming from? I know now you're in Fraser, your own uh, Watkins. Yeah. Uh, the church is uh, well established. I mean, you've got a great the attendance is there. Yeah. Pandemic was tough, I know, mm-hmm. but you stayed together and you connected with your people. Yeah. But where are these boys coming from? You know, Jim, initially the boys were coming from church and Fraser and right around the street. But people are so in need of strong Christian masculine mentorship in these days that we literally have people coming from uh, almost Mississippi, the Coral Lakes era. We have people coming from East Tennessee. We even have some that come as far as East Tennessee. Uh, And we're seeing that uh, at first it was mostly all inner city boys. Ninety five percent of our boys didn't have biological fathers in the house. But now, man, we're seeing other races that because not just black boys coming right now. We're seeing well-to-do people from white neighborhood that's, that are coming in. And I think they're coming in for several reasons. One, uh, blending, bonding, uh, racial harmony and unity, exposing their children to other lifestyles. Uh, and it's just it, it has turned out to be with your partnership, Bellevue's partnership, uh, we didn't see this in mind about eight years ago when it started. The type of mentors that we have now has actually turned it into a racial harmony, racial unity 
uh, development because of the mentors and the team that you brought in with, and we're forever grateful I for that. I think that's uh, biblical. Yes, it definitely is <laughs> biblical, yeah. Love God, love yes, people. Yes, and they will know that we love God by how we love by one another. We love one another, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Pastor Ricky Floyd, Pursuit of God Church, but also the Transformation Center. Yeah. And we're talking about the Husband Institute yeah. and the impact that he's having on boys and Fraser, and as he said, the Shelby County area. I have to ask you about this. This is a program that you've just recently started, but you're having an impact called Gun Education. Yeah. I, I, it's just amazing me that you stepped into that realm. You know, and with with much persecution. Yeah, I bet. Uh, because we're teaching uh, boys as young as six-year-old, and I want to emphasize we're not teaching them how to shoot. We're teaching them how not to shoot. Mm. Uh, if you look at the news, most of the time that you see uh, a child has been shot, it's involved in inner city. You very rarely see that in the suburbs and rural area. And the reason for that is they've been trained in most cases. The danger of weapons, the importance of weapons, how to respect those weapons. Most times in the inner city, a child walks up and finds a weapon. We had in this uh, in the news recently where a four-year-old found a gun stuffed into a couch, got a hold to it. And the baby is gone. Mm. And so there are too many stories. You know, 20, 20, and just last month, 20 young people uh, were impacted by gun violence. And 10% of those were accidental. Uh, you know, we did this last year. We had the program where we had uh, uh, Jonathan Cross to come in and teach our young boys. And we caught flack because they said you shouldn't be teaching boys about gun. But two days later, a five-year-old found a gun and killed his 10-year-old brother. Mm. We are just fully persuaded, had that 5-year-old and that 10-year-old been in our class, that those lives will not be impacted by those. You know, that's so important because you're right. I think most of the time people teach people about guns, yeah. and then they, if they don't, it's a dangerous, yes. it's a rattlesnake, it's in the room, yeah. it's loose, yes. it's waiting to bite you. Yes. Yes. And that's what we have to deal with. I yep. appreciate you doing that. What are your pressing needs in the few minutes that we've got left? What does the Helpsman Institute need? What does Pursuit of God Church need? How can we speak to the people in Shelby County? Volunteers, budget, and activity just take our boys to that they've never been to before. You know, one of the things that uh, I'm, I'm devastated by is that we had a young man that was on news this week who was one of the original husband and two members, and he cut a girl's throat. And wow. We didn't have the funds early enough to have a support team, and that's devastating to me. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, if you'd like to talk to Pastor Ricky yeah. Floyd, you can reach him at 353-5772. Don't forget that I've mentioned the PDF that you can go to take charge of your 401K. You can do that. Just simply go to our Shoemaker Financial page, and you can get that document. Download it and print it. It's yours. It's free. Next week, Frank Lacarica, Newlyweds and Finances, a subject that is important to them. You need to help them understand what happens when you get married and how do you manage money. That's Wednesday again. We're here every Wednesday, 9 a.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. right here on KWAM Mighty 990. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, David and Steve Anderson are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.